what I love about challenges is I love failure mm. because I love the comeback. So I love rising above the failure and say, okay, well, that didn't work. How do we learn from it? Or I don't like the way I handled that situation. How do I learn from it? So I think as you age, your awareness grows mm. and you start realizing like, how did I show up in that podcast? How did I show up in that conversation? Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends Podcast. Today, I am making friends with Ben Reinberg. Ben is a commercial real estate investor, and I know I've had a few of those types of people here on the show before, but Ben has been doing this for 30 years now. He's been raised hundreds of millions of dollars in equity. He's done syndications, he's done funds, they buy medical properties, they do development, they do so many different aspects of the commercial real estate world, which is interesting to me because real estate's made more millionaires than anything else in history. So I always like to see what people's paths are, especially when that is the path that they choose. And so the thing that makes Ben a really great conversation and something that's really interesting is that he actually started in commercial real estate. So a lot of people, for those that don't know, will start in residential, will start investing in residential. They'll start with something that they can, you know, more conceptualize the, the money that's going to have to come out of pocket, the money for the purchase price and all the other good stuff that comes along with that. But Ben started directly in commercial real estate back 30 years ago and then has done that ever since. And then he decided to get into the content and personal branding space just about a year ago. And since then, his personal brand's really blown up. And it's due to the fact that he actually has a lifetime of knowledge and information around how to successfully build a commercial real estate portfolio and a career in commercial real estate as an entrepreneur. So Ben and I talk about how he got started, how he funded his first deal. Uh, it was pretty wild. He was 23, 24 and, uh, and went into this big commercial space where the, a bunch of other people were already operating and put together his first deal ever, his first real estate deal ever, which is a $3 million building in Chicago. So I asked him, you know, why not? Why did you start with that instead of starting with, you know, a $100,000 home? And so his answer to that was very interesting and really unique, which I, and I, I thought it was widely applicable to so many other things besides just real estate. So Ben and I talk a little bit about real estate, but this is not an intense real estate conversation. So even if you have no interest in doing commercial or no interest in doing real estate, this is a conversation that's still going to benefit you in a lot of ways because he's built outsized success and outsized returns inside of his company and inside of his life because the principles remain the same regardless of the industry. So we even talk about how unhappy he was after he attained a certain level of success with all the money that he was making, the cars he was driving, the houses he was living in, that even his family life was great, but still was unhappy. And so we talk about kind of how to reverse engineer that piece of it and really how he was able to go from you know, being unhappy to back to optimizing for happiness rather than just, you know, money and things like that. So we talk a lot about life philosophy. We talk about money. We talk about discipline. We talk about personal development. There's a lot of different topics, conversations get brought up in this conversation, but it was, it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed having Ben in studio. So I'm sure you will enjoy listening in on the conversation. So please enjoy this chat that I just had with Ben Reinberg. 
What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Travis Makes Friends podcast. Today, I am making friends with Ben Reinberg. Ben, welcome to the studio. Man. Thanks, Travis. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you're in through Vegas for a couple of these, so I appreciate you stopping by. No um, problem. So we have known each other now for a little, a little while. Um, started working with our team to do exactly what we're doing right now. But your resume is much more impressive than just your ability to be on podcasts. So I would just... We just did an intro right before this, so I won't get into that too much right now. But I want to go back in time and uh, kind of rewind the clock here because I find that anybody who's taken an unconventional path like the one that you've taken usually didn't start with the intention to do so. So let's go, you know, 10, 11-year-old Ben Reinberg. Sure. Set the scene for uh, us. Well, where were you I, in I, life? Uh, I grew up in an area where it was a middle, lower class area in okay. Chicago in the north suburbs. My parents both worked. My father worked for the railroad okay. as an executive, uh, lower level. He worked himself up. My mother was an office manager for a prominent, one of the most premier architectural firms in the country hmm. that she ran. They did Michael Jordan's house in Highland Park and the different houses he's done wow. and various other celebrities in Chicago's last celebrities that live in Chicago. And that's what my mother did. And so I saw their work ethic. But I also realized I didn't want to work for someone. Hmm. It was a turnoff for me. I said, I always wanted to work for myself. I never, I was rebellious when I was a kid. When I was eight years old, I sold cigarettes at a bar to make money. I always worked cutting lawns, shoveling driveways. That's what you did in Chicago mm -hmm. when you're a kid growing up in the 70s. Did you have siblings? I did. I had two older brothers. Okay. And so we lived in a really tough neighborhood. We lived in a neighborhood kind of like the outsiders. You were either Jewish or Italian where I grew up. And we grew, also grew up next to a prominent army base. So you had such an eclectic melting pot mm. and also an affluent area. So there was more of a lower tier area where we lived. And then there was upper scale areas in Highland Park, Illinois, where I grew up. So it was, it was a lot of pressure. You saw money, but you also saw people that didn't have money. So for me, I wouldn't change a thing because I learned the value of the dollar. I learned hard work. I was working when I was younger. I worked all the way up until I got to college. And after college, I started working. So for me, my work ethic was established, not only for my parents, but the area I grew up in, because all the kids worked. Your siblings were the same way? Yeah, siblings the were the same okay. way. Everyone worked hard. And so you develop this work ethic as a kid. And what that does is it has carried over every single stage of my life where it allowed me the confidence when I was 23 to say, Travis, I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. And when I started my own business, I had no fear. Because I realized, like, I didn't come for money. So what what could I lose? What's the worst case here? Yeah, yeah. if sign on a loan with recourse, which I don't do anymore, the mm -hmm. non-recourse. But if I sign on a loan as a young man, I can get a loan. What's the worst a lender can do to me? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go back to where I was. Right. But I knew I was never going to go back because yeah. of my work ethic, hustle. I'm smart, uh, street smart. And so for me, I realized that if I just keep pushing forward, I'll keep growing. Why, why do you think you were rebellious? Did, you, did your brothers also do entrepreneurial path or did they? No, my oldest brother is one of the top healthcare attorneys in the country. Oh, wow. Okay. He represents all different hospitals, Catholic So he hospitals. went hardcore corporate. He went hardcore corporate, been yeah. wildly successful. He's going to retire soon. He's about five years older than me. I'm 53. My middle brother has a work ethic too. And so they went more corporate side. I went more entrepreneurial. I went because I, I would see the Mercedes driving by on the streets. Mm. And I said, how do I, I get one, one of those? those. Yeah. 
you know, how do I able, when I was younger, it was more about candy and Slurpees. Sure. How do I afford that? And then as I got older, I started realizing, okay, what do I like? And then I realized that if I don't control my own destiny, because I used to see my father and my father worked for a Fortune 50 company. It was Chicago and Northwestern Railroad. Then it was Union Pacific Railroad. And he would come home. And I remember being a kid, always worried about if he was going to have his job the next day. Mergers and acquisitions, layoffs, different economies, different administrations going on. We lived in the Reagan years. So we just saw different environments. And I looked at it and I said, I don't want that life. I don't want to be in the blue suit, red tie, taking the train from Holland Park to downtown Chicago in the freezing cold. I don't want to be that because guy. Because I have to. Yeah, because everyone, it was acceptable. Like you get a job, hopefully you can go to college, you move forward and you have a career and then you get a pension, you retire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want that. That sounds like a bad deal. It's just, to me, it's not attractive. Yeah. So I said, well, what is attractive? And the word entrepreneur wasn't really prevalent when I was a kid. Sure. Especially when I started in the early 90s. It was more like being a business owner, having your own business. The word entrepreneur, I think, cultivated right after that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I looked at and I said, you know what? I want to be my own boss. I want to control my own schedule. So I started Alliance. And Mm -hmm. that was the genesis. I, I tell this story. You start, that was your first company? Well, I first started a company called Hillcrest Trading. I was buying debt and okay. reselling it. And then okay. that launched me into commercial real estate. What even gave you the awareness that that stuff existed? I just taught myself. What, what I learned was I read Sharon Lecter's book okay. or in the early 90s, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Because I was trying to figure out like, where is wealth creation? Wealth creation, especially in Chicago, is commercial real estate. I learned all the icons. Sam Zell, God rest his soul, just passed away. He was an icon. The Pritzkers, the Crown family. You had huge old money families in commercial real estate in Chicago. Yeah. And I would watch, I would see it. I'm like, how do I become that person? And so I realized commercial real estate was the way through. So I'm up late at night. I'm reading Sharon's book. I read it once, read it the next day. I said, this is where I want to be. And so I figured out, I did accounting right after college. My mom said, get a job. There's a recession going on, just like kind of now, and it was worse. And the best thing to do is to get a job. Well, I had an accounting degree. I was studying for the CPA exam, which I am a CPA. And I realized, Travis, that if I don't get a job, I'll never be able to fund the initial stages to eventually go on my own. Mm, Yeah. So that was kind of the thought process. So then I was on an audit in New York with a billionaire. And he looked at me. He's like, you're not much of an accountant. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, I was young. I've never been to New York. I'm in Manhattan. I've never really traveled. We didn't take family vacations. I'm in New York the first time and I'm in his office. He's got this gorgeous office, Florida glass, you know, Florida ceiling glass windows and looking out in Manhattan and really upscale place office. And I'm a young guy. I'm in my suit. You know, I'm in my $300 suit with my tie yeah. and my shoes and they're polished and Maybe I had a couple of dress shirts that would weave in and out for him, you know, to look professional. And he just said to me, he goes, you're more of an entrepreneur. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, that's probably where you're going to be. And I kind of took it to heart and I got back and the accounting job wasn't working out. I wasn't really happy. So then after that, I went into starting my own business and I bought my first deal. I had someone help me and I bought an industrial deal in Chicago. I bought it for somewhere over like 2.8 million, 2.9 million. It was a small deal. 
I raised a lot of money. Yeah. In a matter of three weeks, I closed. I sat, I was buying the deal in front of two icons in Chicago that were big, huge residential home builders okay. that were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They were in their late 50s, 60s at the time. I was in my 20s. I remember sitting across the conference room. I would wear a suit all the time to look professional. I was young. I had to play the part. And so I was sitting in their conference room and they probably had a conference room twice the size of this room, yeah. with a huge table. And they're at one end and the secretary puts me in a certain place. Of course. Back then we used to have like China. So they'd bring out the China and you got tea or coffee and maybe they'd feed you or give you a drop of water. They turned up the heat of on course. purpose to get they're, me sweating. They're doing the power play. Yeah, they're yeah. doing the power play. I'm a young guy. <laughs> okay. They both walk in and they look at me and they put their hands on the table and they go, so Ben Reinberg, what makes you think that you can close on this property? I mean, huge commercial real estate, residential icons in Chicago and around the country. And I say, I have a loan. I have a term sheet. Here it is. Like, oh, you can get a loan. I go, those are pretty good terms. You're going to sign with recourse? I say, yeah, I have a choice. I said, okay. Where are you getting the equity from? I said, well, I have high net worth credit investors I'm bringing in. How are you doing? I'm almost done. Probably about 70%. Great. What do you need? I need a credit on the purchase price. You come in here and you're asking us for a credit on the purchase price. Like, that's a lot of nerve as a young man. I said, well, let me show you what I found. I gave them all the quotes of a new roof, HVAC, organized, okay? Wrote it by hand, okay? I don't remember using Excel at the time. I wrote (laughs) by hand, like, here are the quotes. Here's the backup, this and that. They said, well, Ben, what are you asking for? I need 82000 to be able to cover all this. It wasn't the, your broker that listed, did not have it disclosed. I don't have a choice in any credit. We were able to get the credit. We closed. Nice. After we closed, they saw we retained it. We sold it for a 3X multiple. I bought it for two something. I sold it for six, four. Really? I sold it myself. I Within don't do, what time frame? It was three years. Three years. They called me and said, I saw that sale. What did you do? So was young. hilarious. They want to know. They're like, what's your secret? What'd you do? I said, add value. How'd you add value? I walked them through the story. And I said, kid, you're going to be something in this business. I said, you're damn right. <laughs> I said, this is just the start. And they said, we know. And so I still keep in touch with those guys, but they see me now and it's just amazing. I mean, they're a lot older or retired, yeah, but yeah. just the, the gratitude I had for that experience. And I've sure. been through a lot of these. I, I've dealt with people all over the country and the world that we bought and sold from. And my company now has taken off and, and we've done hundreds and hundreds of syndications and we're doing funds and we've built over 10 million square feet of office and industrial in my career. So I look back, Travis, and it's like a blur. Yeah, That, that young kid who was eight years old selling cigarettes in bars in Highwood, Illinois, is now a different person. Yeah. And it's interesting because I see the younger people that work for me and I try to empower them of you can be wildly successful with me mm-hmm. if you do the right things. And so what drives me nuts about the younger generation or, or people out there that is that I am living what you can live. I am the person that can show you that came from nothing, work hard, keep grinding, keep focused, build relationships, Build your expertise and great things will happen. Persistence, consistency, developing your expertise. If you look at the core value of my company alliance, it's transparency, integrity, consistency, and expertise. 
We didn't grab those words just out of thin air. We did it because we said, what creates success in our business and mm -hmm. most business? It was those four key C's. And so for me, what I see is that people are not consistent in their behaviors. You mm -hmm. know, like you go to the gym, I go to the gym, I work out with a trainer five days a week in California. I am consistent in my behavior. I have a morning routine. I get up, I meditate, I go, I'll work out, get in the office. It's a pattern that I have that keeps me consistent in order to provide white glove service for our investors. My staff does lead as best as possible as I can, be able to have processes to find deals. How do we raise equity now in the technology world? How is blockchain going to come into our business? Because our industry is the forefront. We're the leader that's going to get into blockchain. So now I got to understand what that means. Mm. We're constantly evolving as an industry in commercial real estate because technology has become so relevant in our business where it used to be, I'll send you a shiny book, go look at it, put in an offer, see what happens three or four weeks. You have no idea who you're bidding it. Now, again, we could send PDFs. We sell deals. It's a lot quicker. We have some of the top brokers in the country that work for us that were here recently at ICSC, the conference over the past few days. So what's great is I'm in the prime of my career right now. And so now with all the staff we have, we have 200 plus years of leadership team experience in my company and we're just rolling and we're excited about what's ahead. I'm curious as to what gave you the audacity to, as a 23 year old, have your first real estate deal be a $3 million building instead of a $50,000 single family home. I would see the residential market in our areas and I would look at it and I would say, okay, well, if I buy a $50,000 house or a $75,000 house, is it going to sell? Is the market good? The Chicago market kind of ebbs and flows, wasn't really great. And I saw that and I'm like, it's just not interesting. The numbers aren't big enough. Mm. You know, I, I was a, I'm a numbers guy. And when I saw industrial and office in Chicago, I said, okay, well, 3 million, maybe I could turn a profit of like 700,000, yeah. you know, maybe more, maybe less, but I can start building six figures. Sure. I'll start with six figures then go to seven and then eight and just keep going. And so, you know, back then, you know, hundred thousand dollars was a tremendous amount of money. I was gonna say fifty thousand was a lot. That's twenty thousand, dude. It's like you're an accountant. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's not like you're rolling in the dough. No, I you're made my just first, out of college. My you know? first salary was like twenty eight thousand dollars, which yeah. was huge back in nineteen ninety. And have a little bit of debt from college or something yeah. like that and to so, pay off. Not only that, yeah. I had I wanted to buy my first car, so, so I bought I bought my first car too. So this is something that I that I that I talk with people a lot about shifting your mindset from what you define as a lot of money. And every time I've redefined that, I feel like in my life, it's been followed by a period of extreme pressure and or growth. And I feel like you, you skipped like four steps. <laughs> you know, like most people are like, I'm making $28,000 a year. My rent is $700. It's like, man, if I could just make $20,000 on a deal. You know, like my, what I make this year, if I can make 20, like that's, that's kind of my point in saying like, there was something about your mindset that was different from the start because like most people are thinking so small when they first get started, like, cause they don't, they don't even think about the fact that there's, oh, there's economies of scale when we, when we move from a $50,000 home to a $3 million apartment building, like, oh, the market can actually support that better. Oh, the increase in doors actually makes my income more guaranteed. It's actually less risky when you really think about it. Like most people are not thinking that at all. They're thinking like, what is 
the most plausible chance of success for me here. And that's why they just go stick to doing this one thing that they know. Whereas you from the beginning were just like, eh, 50,000 is not enough. I need 700,000, even though you were making 28,000 a year. Where do you think that that came from? Was that something that was that like born inside of you? Or did yes. you see somebody that was doing something? It's such, what a, made you it's such a great comment and question because no one's really asked me that. Like what changed? I, I think part of it was there was no social media. There's none of these thoughts pouring into my head. I'm an introvert in an extrovert position. And I just realized that I was careful who I surrounded myself with at, when I was younger. I was careful of who I went to ask for advice. You know, it wasn't like I can go do a mastermind or go on the internet and, and call Chris Voss, who was on my show, and say, hey, can you help me with negotiation? Like, yeah. there was none of that out right. there at the time. So it was basically Zig Ziglar tapes. And, it was whatever. Yeah. It was, it, even if you could find tapes, it was yeah. more like, you know, Conant Nightingale was in Chicago. So if you wanted to do self-improvement, that was it. But it wasn't, it was kind of like strange to work on yourself and self-improvement. Yeah. It wasn't really out there. And so I just learned, I said, I have to ask people for advice. And I still do that today. I'm very vulnerable. And I learned in life and business, if you could be vulnerable, your whole world will open up. Hey, I don't understand what a phase one environmental report is. I don't understand like, what's the process I have to go through with a lender? What's a purchase and sale agreement for a commercial piece of real estate? What are the nuances? How does insurance work? So every month and every year, I had to get more polished on all these different topics and ask for advice. And that's why commercial real estate is a marathon business. It's a lot of learning, a lot of training. But for me, I didn't have these outside influence. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be my parents' path. I don't want to be the path of a lot of the professionals I grew up with in my area. So I have to be different. The only way I'm going to be different is jumping in the water, trying something I've never done, get rid of the fear and do it. And it, that was the pressure. The pressure was, I want change in my life. Mm. I want to be different. And even today, I have that same, I'm still that same young kid with that burning desire. I want to get into different asset classes we didn't do. I want to grow. You know, look at my personal brand. I was on social media. This is literally next week will be my anniversary of not only my podcast, Ben Reinberg, I own it, but it'll also be when I got on social media. Wow. I mean, now on social media, I think I have 110, 111,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, you know, this year has been, Travis, such a change for me because mm -hmm. everyone's like, you got to do a personal brand. Why do I have to do yeah, a personal brand? Because yeah. you got to explain what you've done yeah. or, and help people. You can help people with all your business knowledge. So I just realized, I said, you know what? If this will help people and it feels good and it helps my company and my leadership team and all the employees at Alliance, I'm willing to do that. And I wasn't sure it was going to be beneficial. It's changed the dynamic yeah. because people see me out there. It helps our company social media campaign. We're tying in reels. We're doing posting. We have a whole staff that works on it. And I'm grateful because I've been able to bring in additional resources from all the networking. Yeah. What I love about this that we're doing there's no better networking event. One-on-one, -on -one, you can exchange information, you can get to know someone, you shake their hand, you're having a personal conversation. Yep. So for me, I love the podcast. I love using your company's services because now all of a sudden, as my own podcast, now all of a sudden I hire a guest deal and you and I connect. And so now we have a relationship. And guess what? You're getting me on different shows. I'm adding value. I'm promoting my company. Yep. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden, and then I can take some of these guests and they come on mine. And I learned too, it's like we share resources and knowledge. 
And then all of a sudden, um, people want to learn more about how do I invest in commercial real estate? Exactly. It so I could help deals. them. I could help them build wealth. Yeah. So to me, it's been a full circle. I really didn't understand when I got into this the impact it can create for me and my company and for people out there. And it's just been really incredible year that's been happening. So I, re- I really want to dive into that piece because there's a lot of, I think, people that are in the same boat that you were in a year ago that they've, they've built successful companies. They have a great investment portfolio or they have already done all these amazing things in their career. And then this new, this personal branding idea comes up and it's like, well, I don't need that. I don't want to do that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm doing what I do and this is what I do. I don't need all that other stuff. So I'm really, I really want to dive into that with you. But first I want to go back to kind of part two on the initial question of like, why were you so crazy when you were younger? Part two to that is how did you get other investors to give you money for that deal when you were an inexperienced 23-year-old kid who had never done a deal before? What I did was packaging. I learned how to package a deal because I figured out, I said, okay, I'm, I have a financial background, I'm a CPA. If I could run the numbers and the return looks good mm-hmm. and I can do my homework. So what I did was I spent weeks doing homework. I spent weeks of what are vacancy rates in this industrial market, which was Northbrook, Illinois. Mm. If we have an issue, why are we going to be able to lease the property? What I realized, there was an area called the Glen in Glenview, Illinois, right next to the property. Okay. All these captains of industries were moving into this development. It was an old Navy base. They converted to retail, single-family homes, multifamily, office, community center. It was like a whole city being developed. Mm. And it was right next to the property. And I said, if we ever have an issue, we could draw tenants from people that own businesses in this huge development going on. It was just massive. It was a famous development. So I painted the picture and told the story to investors. So I'd go and I'd start with one person. I would say, who else do you know? I was fearless. Yeah. And it was all shoe leather. I would have my leather shoes, my suit on every day and the tie and polished and and go in and that's you know getting a loan from my godfather at a local bank in holland park and so once i had the loan i said okay i need like 20 to 30 percent equity in the deal how do i do that did fifty thousand units which was a ton of money for me at the time yeah asking for it and i would go around around and someone would say yeah i'll do that deal that's good yield whatever this and that they, they knew me. They knew I was honest. I was going to say, people. were these people that you already had relationships with? or Not not a lot. Some I did, some I didn't. Okay. But I had a hustle. I yeah. would say, who else? Do you? So I'd get one guy, maybe I didn't know. He would bring in his friends. Yeah. And I would meet him. I would go in a conference room with them and talk to them. I would say, and I'd give him paper. There was no like PowerPoint at the time. So I would say, here's the deal. Here are the numbers. Here's the location. Great location. Here's word X to the Glen. So I explained the story. I explained the real estate fundamentals and the deal made sense. It was a yeah. great deal yeah. at the time. And so- How, uh, how many people you think you talked to oh, trying to raise that? My God, I must've talked to, I'm going to guess probably anywhere from 50 to 75 people. Yeah, yeah. And I think we had about 20 to 25 investors. That's and the, so I did a good job. I am, I am outstanding at raising equity. I was going to say probably- if I were going to guess, yeah. I would I would probably guess that of the if you talk to 75 and 25 yeah. invested, that like 15 of those 25 were on the back half of the 75 you talked to. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, so I, I would assume that that's what happened. That's but exactly The problem happened. is that most people, they stop at person number six. Right. They, they go talk to the six people they know that have money. They all say no and they go, right. well, 
it's impossible. I, I guess I just I am not back. cut out for this. You I know? can go back and I remember after like a few weeks, I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Mm. And I remember my mom pulled me aside saying, you could do whatever you want. Keep going. Mm. She had a big influence. She had made, she made a couple comments. She gave me a poem. It was from C.W. Longnecker. Okay. It was it was about the it was about Victor is the name of the poem. If anyone wants to look look it up out there, and it talks about the man who can. It's all in your mind. Mm. And so she gave me that poem. It was after two weeks. I remember she goes, "You can do whatever you want." And she cut it out of the Chicago Tribune. It was it kept in my wall for years. It kept getting yellower and yellower. Good work, then I had to, <laughs> I had to throw work. it away. Yeah. And so. She influenced me. And I said, okay, well, if she believes in me, why, why don't I believe in myself? So then I kind of got back at it. A week later, brought my first investor, another two, three, five, kept stacking on the more confidence, got in that conference room with them. And long story short, we were able to close. And that was kind of what launched me in my confidence and learning. And, and then I stepped up my work ethic. I stepped up my yeah. belief. I stepped up my confidence and I just kept stacking and going and saying, but there's periods of my career where I go through and I doubt myself. Mm-hmm. It, even today, as successful as I've been, the amount of deals, whatever, I have to sometimes take a step back. And you know, I'm a very humble person. I don't tell people what I have. I don't need to show off. I learned that when I was a younger man. You don't have to. This is why I struggled with a personal brand because mm, yeah. that's not how I learned life. I'm not going to tell people how successful that's your actions should speak for your words mm-hmm. that's how i learned life from other that. people should tell people right so they should, they should be like ben reinberg's wildly successful yeah, right. it shouldn't come from ben reinberg right let let them say it you know because i'm written up in a lot of magazines articles especially in commercial real estate we have i have a publicist and a whole pr department but at the end of the day that's how i learned life is you shouldn't have to talk about your successes hmm. let your success follow you Work on your integrity. How do you help people? That's who a man is to me, is how am I going to create impact to people and help people and develop knowledge? It's what I enjoy in the business. I mentor Travis a ton of people, and we're looking at potentially teaching it as well, depending on my schedule. We're analyzing my time to figure out what I can do to help people. So for me, with that deal that I did, I don't forget it. I don't forget the first deal. I don't forget that, you know, the back half of the 75 people were who got me there. I don't forget about the days where I go in my office on a Saturday and I'm buying a deal in Las Vegas. You know, we own property here. And I remember I had to raise 3.7 million. And I remember sitting on my office floor, it was dark on a Saturday. One of my investors who's a big investor, he's like, I don't like the, I don't like the structure. I said, why not? You've been investing with me for 15 years. It's like, I don't like it. You're taking too much on the back end. I said, I've earned it. I said, I have other sponsors here in Chicago. They do the same thing. You invest with them. Yeah, I don't know. He thought he can control me. I said, fine. Because I'm not coming in. Fine. No problem. I went back two days later, went to my office, raised $3.7 million in three hours. And, and, and that's who I am. Yeah. I don't believe in the word can't. You challenge me. I'm the wrong person to challenge. That's my mindset. And so I went and raised it. Him and his whole group of guys that invest in me for years, they love it. And they do as a group, and he led the group. And they're calling me saying, we can get into that surgery center in Las Vegas. What happened? We sold out. What do you mean? It's been two days. Yeah. Like, we didn't even hear from him. We were wondering, like, where's the deal? It's a great deal. Yeah, it is. Guess what? Mm. 
that surgery center is one of the best tenants in the country in United Healthcare. It's right on Charleston Boulevard in Las Vegas. Every Friday, a couple of times, I paid everyone their money back. I'm also the largest investor in that deal on both sides at A Class A and B of the LLC. We have no equity in the deal, just debt, and we're cash flowing. And that property will never go away. And it just cash flows. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I love challenges. I love when people say you can't do something. Really, let's figure it out. Mm. I'm always on the cutting edge of technology. We were one of the first companies to create an investor portal. I was doing green ledger paper and stamps and checks to send to our investors for years. We would get calls, Travis, from our investors saying, did you ever send me that check? Yeah, I sent you that check. It should be, it was in your mailbox and I'm like, oh, I might, I might have thrown it out or I might, okay, we'll send you a new one. So for years, we were trying to figure out like, how do we avoid that? I yeah. have a whole staff to deal with checks. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. Yeah. And then I realized, I said, you know what? Let's use technology. So I had a friend of mine from Charlotte create a company. He's like, I want you to be a partner. So I want you to be a beta test person in it. We did it. And we were with first guys in and it was wildly successful. We had to acclimate the older guys to how to deal with sure. technology. And at time for me, I had to get acclimated as well. So we get acclimated with the technology. It rolls out now. Now a lot of people use portals and we've been doing it for years and it's been wildly successful. So this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, it seems like that's probably something that fueled the whole personal brand idea in terms of like, if you're just somebody that likes the challenge, because it's a challenge. It's sure challenge is. and a half, you yeah. know, because like, because I find it interesting because especially with people like you, who are used to winning at things, just like you accomplish, you accomplish, you win, you win, you're, you're, you're just kind of like, here, what's the formula? Let me do it. We'll figure it out, you know? 
But then the personal brand thing comes along. And it's like, well, podcasting and content and like it's almost essentially building a mini media company. That's a different ball game than than even like raising equity or some of these other, you know, it, it is a brand new skill set to learn. And it can sometimes be frustrating for people who are used to just like conquering everything that they touch because this one is like, and this takes a little bit of time, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to destroy this like right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's like test your patience a little bit sometimes. It, it does. It, it tests your patience. But again, it goes back to those principles of persistence and consistency and, and showing up and, and yeah. working hard. And, and, what I love about challenges is I love failure mm. because I love the comeback. So I love rising above the failure and say, okay, well, that didn't work yeah. out so well. How do we learn from it? Or I don't like the way I handle that situation. How do I learn from it? So I think as you age, your awareness grows mm. and you start realizing like, how did I show up in that podcast? How did I show up in that conversation? What I love about my podcast is my first episodes, I was so raw. Mm. I was nervous. And I was thinking to myself, like, why would I be nervous? Yeah. You know, I have experience. I understand business. I've been successful, but I was still nervous. I was mm -hmm. like a kid. Five in, I got better. Mm -hmm. Ten in, I got better. I, I, we've probably done a hundred episodes. That piece right there that you just said, I think is so huge is that you put yourself in a position to be uncomfortable and nervous doing something brand new in your fifties on social media, when you already have raised hundreds of millions of dollars and been wildly successful in this other field, like you did not have to put yourself in a position that would make you nervous or uncomfortable. You could just keep being in the position where you're always confident and the expert in the room. But instead you like, I think that's just a con that's a sign of people that, that I like to work with is people who are constantly putting themselves back in the chair of like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm really excited to figure it out. And it's going to probably suck for a little bit. I'm going to be nervous and it's not going to be good. The content might not be like that great, but at the end of the day, I want to do this. So catch me in like two years, three years, four years, five years from now and see, see where we're at at that point, because it's going to be somewhere it's, way better than we are now. That's so well said, because it's the truth. One thing I've learned is that you have to keep growing as a person. And I realized there's going to be times it's not comfortable. I do a lot of personal development. I've been doing it for five years and it's evolved. We did something wild in my company last week. We brought our whole leadership team into Newport Beach where my West Coast office, that's where I sit. My headquarters are in Chicago. We have offices around the country. Okay. So we bring everyone in, put them up, great experience. We give them this cool swag bag with garb and, and Ben's favorite candies. It was all about teaching them more about me. Okay. You know, Ben's favorite water bottle. Ben's favorite workout clothes, you know, like everything was, it was cool. And we tagged it, but we brought in a famous human behaviorist. So she comes in and everyone does what's called a playbook. So if you came in and you were on my leadership team, I would look at what does Travis want out of life? What's important to him? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's spending time with friends. Maybe it's building his personal brand. Maybe he likes to go hiking. I'm going to know everything about Travis so I could take Alliance, the company, and align myself with him mm. so he is more loyal. He's more vested in what we're doing. He knows he's being supported. His lifestyle is mirroring what the company is doing. Yeah. And that's what we do for people. It's different. It was uncomfortable. Because think about it. I had to tell everyone, and, and I did a video, and I did this extensive letter I wrote. I had to tell everyone, we're getting into personal development. We're taking your birth personal life and business life, and we're going to know everything. Mm. 
that was a challenge. Yeah. I got everyone to buy in. She came in, everyone loved it. It was glowing. And the people that would not end up in the company, they'll end up fading out. Mm-hmm. It starts weeding out that the, the people who are in high performance. If you're going to work at my company Alliance, there's one common theme. You have to have a great work ethic because it, it's basically my blood and knowledge is oozing into the company. So what does that mean? Persistence, work ethic, my core values. If you don't rise to that level and become a high performer, my company just kind of pushes you out like any other company. Yeah. And it's people end up firing themselves, which is an interesting concept I've learned in our company and business. And why is that? It's because people are not grateful for opportunities. One thing I learned, Travis, to go back to when we were talking about when I was a kid and 23 and starting was I was always grateful for everything I earned. Still, I never forgot the last penny I've earned. Anyone that invests in Alliance in our funds, and especially our new Alliance Medical Property Fund, one of the core values of my company is we ever forget that how hard that person worked. Every penny that they invest with us, every penny, we shouldn't be in the business. You can't be a good fiduciary of capital in commercial real estate or any investment company that you do if you don't have gratitude for the people that now I help you get there, your resources, your employees, all the investors and every penny they fought, you know, and I look at that stuff. And when you have that mindset, everything else carries through. You attract money, you attract resources, you attract relationships like this. It's a simple concept. My father, my grandfather was great. It's like treat onto others how you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you do that and you give, so when people say, well, Ben, what's the best way to network? Best way to network is I give referrals, no strings attached. I don't want anything in return. And guess what? Yeah. I get like tenfold from that. Yeah. People give me resources. You know, Travis says, hey, you should meet this person. That would be good to connect with them. This guy would be good on your podcast. You can network. Yeah. I don't have to ask for it. You know why? Because my heart is I want to help people. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, good things just follow. Yeah. And you'll run into bad people in your life. Of course. And you're going to have failures. But you know what? You will gravitate and you will attract the people that should come into your life. It's that long-term thinking. Right. And what I've learned, I can help your listeners out there in business and life, is that you're going to run into challenges. Anytime you have a challenge, you have a supporter. Same time, someone supporting you. And if you know that going in, you can deal with situations. So what I teach people and say, look, you're going to have challenges. What those challenges are to you is their life lessons that are going on of what you don't want or how to deal with a situation or how not to deal with a situation. So when someone comes into your world, your universe, and they challenge you, or you might not like what they say or the criticism. See, I love criticism because criticism me is growth. So when an employee says to me, like, I didn't like the way you handled that. Okay, tell me why. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you? Great, thank you. Thank you for the criticism. Thank you for the knowledge. I'll work on that, prove, great, Yeah, I learned. People struggle because they look at criticism, they look at challenges, and they say, God, that guy was a real asshole, or that woman was such a bitch to me. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of saying, what was the truth behind that incident? What was the truth behind the interaction that I could learn from and grow from? So if you change your mindset, which is so big, it's huge. And I do that with my kids. We talk about mindset. You know, one of our Neighbors is a guy named Jim Madrid. He was on my show and he talks about mindset and he just spoke to my daughter's lacrosse team. 
And it's, it's no different. It's like, how are you going to show up? Are you going to wake up happy? Or are you going to wake up in fear or sad? And things happen to all of us. You know, we wake up and we might not have a good night's sleep or one of our kids is going through a challenge or our significant other didn't, you know, we didn't connect with them a certain way. We had an argument, whatever. You could let everything in your world affect you. But then a day, what I've learned in life, it's all an illusion. It really is. We live in an illusion. It's basically, how am I going to show up every day? What's going to be my mindset? And so when I was younger, I was 23, I had nothing to lose. So now that I'm older, yeah, I have things to lose. But I also realized that what's my fear? My fear comes from my mind. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, my father it's taught me, this shall pass. So when I would go through challenges when I was younger, especially in business, it would affect me emotionally. I would be 30 years old, get pounded on in a deal or something didn't work out or, or maybe the investment wasn't as good as I thought it would be or my negotiation didn't go well. And I realized this shall pass. And if you always have that, this shall pass, you'll keep going, life will be okay. And to get back to your point is people give up early. They see the challenges. They see the fear. They have this little voice talking to them. They have the worst cases. You have this white noise of your family and friends that are jealous. Travis, you can't do this incredible podcast. You're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the experience. You know, that happens because they don't want to do it. They don't have the drive you have. They don't have the passion. They don't have that love of, hey, I want to do this. This is something I'm interested in because they might have failed at something or they didn't take the chance or have the guts to do what you do. And I've just learned in life is that that's what it's about. And the thing that I love is people criticize you. Like, so for me, I was criticized for the personal brand and the podcast. Why are you doing this? Mm. I had investors question it. But now after all the criticism and we're almost a year in, everyone's applauding. Yes. That's how they, it goes. They criticize you that's and criticize you and criticize you. Until and then, you prove them wrong. And then, <laughs> and then you start having success with it and you look at the followers and you look what you're doing and then I'm on your show and, and we're rolling. And next thing you know, people are like, oh my God. Yeah. Great how job. Did you, how did you do that? Right. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking about right. starting Instagram. Right. right. Yeah. So they, they don't, most people don't see that you have a vision, you execute, you carry it out. You got to be consistent and yeah. persistent. You got to keep going. And it's life's lessons and life is not easy. And people give up, they stop short. And if I can give anyone out there that listens to your show is don't believe in the word can't. I don't believe in the words with contractions, shouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't, can't, because what you're saying to yourself is you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. well, wait a minute. Look at all these successful people in the world. Do you think they're different than you? We all bleed. Right, right. We all breathe. We all have hearts. We all have minds. But they were willing to control their mind in order to get to where they're going. And that's, that's, to me, when I was younger, I didn't really understand that concept. So what I tell people is work on yourself, work on your inner game, become the best version of yourself, because then you will show everyone on the outside what you can do. And you'll gravitate, people will gravitate to you, you'll attract money. And it's the real key to success. You know, for years, Travis, I was looking at being happy. I couldn't find it. Hmm. I thought money was the answer, doing deals, having a nice car, having a gorgeous home, in Highland Park, having three kids and raising them. I thought that's what success was. I thought that's what was gonna create happiness. It's not. I had to realize that internally, if I'm happy, my whole environment will change. 
Instead of I kept searching and searching for happiness, and my environment won't change. Hmm. And the song pulled me aside and said, you have it all wrong. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I see you're successful. Are you really happy? I said, no. He goes, well, if you would create happiness for yourself and be happy and love yourself, your whole environment will change. So I took a step back years ago and I, I listened to him. I was like, he's absolutely right. And that's when I changed. And once I made that change, business started taking off more, became more enjoyable. I, I was happier traveling, going to the office. I was better communicator with my staff. And it was all on me. I had to reflect yeah. and say, who the hard it, truth that happens yeah, is internal, not external. Yeah. Who's the real Ben Reinberg? Yeah. And that's why we named my Instagram handle the real Ben Reinberg, because I had to figure out who is that person. Because I didn't know him for a while. I was living this life of like this successful commercial real estate mogul right. who didn't know who he was as a person. Your achievements became Ben Reinberg. That's it. You lost touch with who you really were. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't even know like, how am I going to connect with people anymore? Hmm. And so, and then as I saw our employees were getting younger and the different generations, I wasn't the young guy. I was always the young guy in the business. Now I'm not that guy. So I transformed and say, well, how do I communicate with millennials? How do I communicate with people above a millennial? You know, how do I communicate with Gen X's that are my age or even younger? And then how do I deal with even the older generation with technology blooming? Yeah. So I had to like go back and retool the way I look at things, the way I communicate, the way I handle myself, balance my emotions. And so that's when I learned significantly, I have to keep growing. It doesn't matter. I'm 53 when I'm 60 because I'm not retiring anytime soon. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's to offer anyone out there is that continue to grow. Be it, you know, a lot of people, Travis, have trouble doing a self-assessment on them saying, I, that didn't go so well. Ben, you didn't handle that well. Mm -hmm. If you could say that, okay, it doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. If you can look at yourself in the mirror and give you an honest assessment and be honest with yourself, really honest with yourself, that's what life is about because then that you can learn how to grow and fix yourself. And people don't do that. It's the only option. That's the, that's the thing that drives me crazy with it. It's, and, and I know that all of us could probably do a better job at doing it, but it's something that I pride myself on in most scenarios is picking, like taking away things that I did poorly, even and especially when my ego is involved and I don't want to admit that I handled it poorly. You know, like when you're in a situation, tempers flare and things get heated and then you just kind of respond and you're like recapping and reflecting later. And then you start like, poking holes in your own argument and going like, ah, oh, maybe I was kind of an asshole there. It's like, it doesn't feel good at all to admit those things to yourself. But to your point earlier, it's the only way forward. If you can't admit that you're ever wrong, then there's no room for you to grow. And this version of you right now is the best version of you that will ever exist. And I refuse to believe that I am currently the best version of me to exist. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that doesn't make any sense. So the only option is to be open to the fact that you're probably wrong on some things still. There's probably some things that you can learn. There's probably some things that you could potentially change or optimize or grow into like that will help you and everybody else around you live a better version of your one chance at life. And you know what ends up happening by what I call being vulnerable? What ends up happening is that you start meeting people 
that you can be vulnerable with and they'll be vulnerable with you and you can build authentic relationships. Mm. But you know, like, like for me, my deal breakers are respect, being consistent, keeping your word, being honest. These are all deal breakers for me. So what, so I had to learn that, like, what are my deal breakers? What are my standards? Like baseline shared yeah. values. Yeah. My values, because I have trouble gravitating with people that don't have my values. Or if I'm putting a situation that jeopardize that, it makes me resist. And I don't want to resist in life. I want to attract and I want to help people. So I have to, I have to figure out who do I surround myself with? that provides that value. Cause that's what makes me happy. That's what shines. That's what allows me to be great in business. Where I struggle is when people resist with me. I have trouble connecting with them. And I realize that like, why am I struggling to communicate with this person or this employee or what, what's the challenge? Well, the challenge is our values don't align. And so I'm having trouble bringing them in the world, being vulnerable, showing them the knowledge and experience I can offer to them. And so I see that a lot. I see sometimes that with employees, relationships. And so for me, for everyone out there is figure out your standards, figure out like where you want to live your life and, and stick to them. I think a lot of us lie to ourselves and we, we go beyond what we're comfortable with or our standards. And then all of a sudden, like we have failures that create for or bad relationships, or we don't establish the boundaries that we should have in life. And I've learned that if you don't do that, establish boundaries and are consistent with us, it causes chaos. And chaos causes stress, helps you where your balance are not emotion. People gain weight from it. They're unhealthy, high blood pressure. You know, your mind and body are connected and people don't realize that. And if you realize that, you realize, okay, well, I am responsible for the people that bring in my life. And it goes back to my podcast, I own it. It's owning every aspect of your life and negative emotions, Travis, are created from the responsibilities that we avoid. And someone taught me that a long time ago, because I said, well, why am I upset by this? Well, because if you would have handled this this way or had an open conversation with this employee, yeah. you wouldn't be so bitter towards them. I took a step back. I'm like, man, they're right. They're right again. So if you could seek the truth and what people are telling you, your whole world changes. Now, I might not agree with you on a topic or we might talk commercial real estate or whatever might be the case. But at the end of the day, if I understand your truth and what you're really saying and I listen intently, it opens the door for growth for me. And a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people struggle at listening and understanding like what listening really means. And I always like to look intently. And, and if I don't understand something, I'm like, what'd you mean by that statement? Educate me because I want to learn. So I have this openness to learn and to grow and be vulnerable. And to me, that is such a key ingredient to create success in your life, personally and professionally, because like you said, we don't know everything. Mm -hmm. We have to continue to learn. And it doesn't matter how many deals I've done. It doesn't matter the resources I have, the staff I have, the experience. I am continuing to learn. Technology is moving rapidly. It's hard to know everything. There's different my daughter taught me a new saying that's out there. I don't even remember what she said, but I'm like, should I use this word now, honey? She's like, yeah. or, oh, here, she used the word haul. You know, the word H-A-U-L? Yeah. Like, yeah, I got a haul today. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause she went shopping or something, yeah, or, yeah. or she went to buy like bakery goods and she's like, I got a haul. And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she started using the word. I'm like, is that like a new word that dad should like you're use? you're moving across town? Right, right. I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? And so I keep learning 
these yeah. new words that everyone uses, you know, like, yeah. so the kids use. And so then I start using it and they're like, oh, that's cool. But, <laughs> but that's part of the maturation process, being open to growth yeah. and learning and the world is moving quickly. And so that's just like an offer. Especially when it comes to learning from those coming up behind you. I think a lot of people have trouble learning from people that are younger than they are, maybe less experienced than they have, or, you know, something like that. It's just, there's like an immediate, you know, like pushing away of anything that's coming up behind you because, because you don't want to admit that it might be helpful. You know, you know, like, well, I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years. And I think that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, if so-and-so has only been doing it for four years, but whatever they're doing is working, I want to know that. If they've been doing it for six months, if it's working, I want to know what's working. You know, and people get, people, yeah, they, the ego, you know, kills more dreams than, than uh, just so about true. anything else. You know, what's interesting about that statement is we brought in a kid in our investor relations department, and he was an expert at Facebook marketing. Okay. And I said, we're missing this in my company. And we started doing it. Now it's wildly successful. He was only in the business for a little over a year. I could have took the approach like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. He's never raised equity. Instead, I took the approach of, how was he doing it for his other company? Sure. What was successful about it? What did he do? So we brought him in. I, op- I opened up the kimono. I said, we'll spend whatever you want. I'll do the reels. I'll do all, I'll go on a Sunday. We'll bring our videographer. I'll stand outside Newport beach. We'll do a bunch of reels. We'll roll. Yeah. We'll do ads and VSLs and we'll try this whole new program and it's working. Mm. It was because I opened my mind to him. I hired him and I said, show me what we need to do. Teach everyone and we'll do it. Well, guess what? He's empowered. He feels great. The program's working. He's making a lot of money. He's a young guy. What that what stemmed from that, the lesson learned is you never know who you meet. You never know the lessons in life. Open your mind. Yeah. Open that filter to say, you know what? I don't know everything. And it, just like you said, if you're humble and you could do that, you can grow significantly and bring in great resources. So what would you say to somebody who's out there maybe listening to this who's been, you know, just scared or making excuses about putting out content online. Maybe they've been, they've been doing something for any period of length of time. They've built a successful business or they have a successful brand or they, they're good at what they do. They have an expertise and people keep telling them they need to do what you've been doing for the last year and they keep putting it off. What would be your advice to them? I would say just do it. Pull the trigger. Don't be fearful because you know what? No one really cares. No one remembers a, a reel that maybe you're not proud. Someone might love it. You don't know. Your viewpoint might be completely different than someone else's viewpoint. And I'll be honest with you. This whole world has amnesia. It's like the commercial real estate brokers in our business. Like they forget you did five deals with them three months ago. <laughs> People have amnesia. They don't, I, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. So... My advice to everyone out there is don't worry what other people think because they won't remember and they don't care. They're only worried about what you think about them. Right. They're worried about what you think about them. And and then also is they don't care about you. They care about themselves. They're so worried about themselves. So it goes back to working on your inner game. If you can work on your inner game and know that, hey, no one cares about me except for myself. And that's your viewpoint. And no one's watching me except for yourself. So you're accountable to yourself. So if you want to do something, do it. Don't worry about being criticized because if someone criticizes you, take it as growth, learn from it. 
believe me, we put out content that I look at. Not great. Sometimes it's great. We put out podcasts or clips from my podcast. I'm like, I don't really like that clip, but they, it's rolling and I'm dealing with it. Yeah. So life's not perfect. But if you don't take action and try, you'll never know. The biggest word is try. What's the worst case if you don't try something in life? Yeah. You know, I look at the word regret and Tim Grover is from Chicago and he's a big guy in this space now. And he says, wait till you see the bill for regret. And he's right when he says that. It's true. If you don't try and you don't take an attempt, you'll look back and you get older and you're like, why didn't I try that? What was I afraid of? Like, what's the worst could happen? The people that I was afraid of, their opinions of me, I haven't talked to them in 13 years. Right. You know, like, why was I so afraid of what they thought back then? That was exactly what Right. So when I was younger and you went back, well, why did you, why were you able to do that? It was because my mindset was, what's the worst case that would happen? It's just like anything I do now. Like I make decisions and we do stuff at Alliance where it doesn't work and we spent money or an employee didn't work out. We've had employees, even recently we've hired and they don't work out. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's life. You learn. But people are so afraid of failure. They're so afraid of, oh man, Travis, you really screwed up. They're so afraid of the comments from other people's thoughts. Instead of looking and saying, well, wait a minute. I grew from that. I learned something from it. There was value created from all these lessons. Everyone forgets failure is a wonderful thing. Why? Because it provides you lessons and growth to say, how do I get better next time? How do I bring in better resources? It's like a fire under you that will say, okay, now I got to step into this and increase my productivity or my work ethic or my communication has to get better. What went wrong? And if you can become more self-aware of yourself, that will create great success in your career. So for all those entrepreneurs that are listening and all those businessmen and women that want to understand how to get ahead in life is manage your emotions, keep pulling the trigger, keep pushing forward. People use the word fail forward. And what that means is once you fail, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. It's so hard for people because people look at things and they get so emotional and they're like, I'm not good enough. Everyone beats themselves up instead of loving themselves. Yeah. And if we would teach this in school of how to deal with our inner game and our yeah. mind, people would be, we'd have a better society, especially in the United States. Instead, we posterize failures. We shine on celebrities when they're failing. Mm -hmm. We don't, when does every day, one of the things I do is I look at my wins. So if I look back at the end of the day, one of my wins is I got to hang out with Travis. I was on his podcast. I got to eat a meal in Las Vegas. I got to spend a day on my office in 95 degree weather. It's 60 degrees in Newport Beach today. Mm -hmm. I get to enjoy warm weather. It's great. There's so many wins that happened during the day. I woke yeah. up. You know, maybe I got to work out involved, today. Yeah. Right. So why aren't we celebrating our wins instead of everyone is focused on emotionally? What did I do wrong? Mm. What'd you do right? Why don't you reward yourself? So I do that too. One of the things I do for myself is I'll reward myself if I go through a week and I have a lot of wins. I'm like, good job, Ben. Yeah. I might say that to myself. Good job. It's not an egotistical thing. It's more about like, I'm proud of myself for the win. Well, you have to have a good relationship with you in order to do all the things that you do and to have a good relationship with all the other people in your life. You know what I mean? So if you're not it's wild. It was, it was wild to me when somebody put it to me this way, when they were like, you, I forget who it was, if it was a book or audio or something that I listened to in the last decade or whatever. But somebody said, if anybody else 
talked to you the way that you talk to you, you would punch them in the face. Right. Like you would cut them out of your life completely. But for some reason, we're, we allow ourselves to just like beat ourselves up and talk shit to ourselves about all the ways that we fail and how we suck and you're no good and you are just a failure. You have no discipline and, and you're just a piece of shit and you're just lazy. And you like you allow yourself to speak to yourself in ways that you would never allow any other human being on the planet to speak to you. And then you feel weird when you go to compliment yourself. You have a good week and you say, good job. And it's like, ah, oh, that, that feels like, you know, like you said, like you even had to caveat. It's not an ego thing. Like, of course it's, it's not, of course. Like you have to have a good relationship with you. There's a, a huge line between having good relationship with yourself and being egotistical and narcissistic. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think, I think people allow themselves just to beat themselves up all the time and never give themselves any credit for anything. And then you're, again, limiting yourself to a lesser life simply because you don't believe that you deserve a better life. Here's something that everyone can do out there. Give them some advice. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror in the morning and see if you like the person you're looking in the mirror. I did that numerous times. There's been times where I, I did not like what I was looking at in the mirror. Yeah. That's when you have to change. If you can change, you can grow and become the person you want to become. Whether it's business, professional relationships, it doesn't matter. It's when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, give yourself an honest assessment. How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your work ethic? Mm -hmm. How do you, because people complain and they're constantly, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and measuring, you know, I have people that constantly measure themselves to me. I said, don't measure yourself to me. Measure yourself to yourself. Figure out who you want to become. You're a different person. We all have different DNAs. We all have different reasons why we're here. Figure that out. Figure who you are. Don't, I'm not your relevant measuring stick. You're your measuring stick for yourself. And so I always say to people, look in the mirror, see if you're happy. That's where the inner game comes into play. And that's what I had to realize. I had to realize I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, I don't like what I'm looking at. Mm. I don't like the way you're dealing with things. I don't like the way you're treating people. I don't like who you are. And I took a step back and I said, I'm going to change. And I changed and I worked on it. I continue to work on it. So for me, I just think if people can give themselves an honest assessment yeah. of themselves, they'll see their world change. And people don't want to do that. People get lazy and they say, Travis, you know what? I'm happy where I am. I'm happy in my life. I'm happy working nine to five. I'm happy getting a paycheck. I'm, I was never that guy. I'm never satisfied. I always want to keep growing. And that's what differentiates me from most people. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I fall out one thing to for me, something that was helpful for me to always test whether or not I felt like I had a good relationship with myself in addition to looking in the mirror is can you spend an hour, just an hour, not a long time, an hour by yourself, with yourself. No drugs, drinking, no music, no podcasts, no audio, no books, no media consumption of any kind. You with yourself on a hike, driving in the car, going for a walk. Can you spend an hour just you with you? And I think for a lot of people, the answer is no. It, I, I used to not be that way. You know, now I spend like, I'll, tr I'll drive to San Diego from Vegas for five, six hours without listening to anything, just thinking, spending time with me, trying to craft a vision for my future and reconnect with who I am and what I'm learning and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a normal practice for me now. But, if, you know, if you had told me a decade ago, 
to try to do that, I would have, I would have laughed. Like, what? Are you crazy? Like, that seems like a perfect opportunity to mess around with a friend of mine or like, you know, listen to a, a podcast I've been wanting to listen to for a while or do a Netflix marathon or whatever. Like, I, there, there's so many other things that I wanted to distract my mind with, ultimately distracting me from the fact that I wasn't okay with the version of who I was. And if you can't spend a prolonged period of time, you with yourself, and there's probably something that you are subconsciously or consciously disliking about you or the way that you're showing up in the world, the relationships that you have in some regard, and something needs to be, needs to be addressed there. It's, it's perfect because it's why I started a morning and evening routine hmm. because everyone says you're running so fast. When are you going to stop? So someone has shown me how to slow down. When I had to slow down, that's when I got into meditation. That's why I got into my morning routine, my evening routine. I got into journaling. I started learning, like, how do I slow down? Because when I slow down, I can speed up a lot of other things in my life. Absolutely. And, and I realized that. And I said, okay, well, what do I have to do to slow down? So someone taught me how to meditate. I had a mentor I brought in, a ton of money spent with him. And he showed me, he said, this is what we're going to do. He goes, we're going to journal. We're going to meditate. This is what you're going to do. You know, live in a state of abundance and love, not in fear. He goes, every moment, this is how you're going to live. And that's what's going to create peace and happiness in your life. And I said, okay. And your whole environment will change. So we started doing that. And I do it every day. I meditate. I'll do a little yoga in the morning and then stretch, loose, loosen up, go work out, depending on my schedule or if I'm in town with my trainer. And then I go and, and at night I'll journal, I'll do meditation. It allows me to take a step back and slow down my life. And I encourage everyone out there is find what your routine is. Some people write out gratitude. Some people write out their intention for the day, which is a good exercise. If you want a good exercise, write on a piece of paper when you wake up what your intention is for the day and then get into gratitude and write out what are you grateful for? So I'm grateful to be on your show and see you. I'm grateful that, you know, I had a great day this morning. I woke up, was able to talk to my staff. They're having a good day. I know they have my back behind me, whether whatever office around the country. I'm coming here. I'm doing a bunch of podcasts. I get to fly back home to Orange County and see the ocean and, yeah. and the beaches and wake up and see palm trees. It's unbelievable. What a life. Grateful for it. But when I write it out, it becomes even more Absolutely. amazing because it's like, okay, this is real. So I write down people I'm grateful for. I, I do some of that. And so there's different things you can do to help yourself become who you want to be. And these are all the lessons I've learned. I didn't know this when I was in my 20s. I didn't know my 30s. As I aged, I started opening my mind to say, well, how do I get better as a person? And that's what kind of happened in my development. And I do it now religiously every day because it helps me stay grounded. You know, I, I don't like talking about my successes. What I like doing is hearing other people's successes. Mm. I'm more interested in someone's than, be, I don't need to be interesting. If you want to read about me, go on my website, follow my podcast, go on my social media, read the articles written about me. That's fine. But I don't need to tell you. I want to hear about you. Because when I hear about you, I can open the door for me to grow as a selfish part of me saying, well, whatever knowledge you're going to offer, I'm going to grow from and learn. Yeah. And that's the selfish part of me. But you know what? 
that's the way I give back too, because I'm listening to your yes, story. Exactly. And I'm interested. I want to know about people. I want to know how I can help them, you know, because I I've have experiences and I know subconsciously and naturally they will help me. Ben, this has been an awesome conversation, man. I know you got like two or three other shows to get out to today, so I won't take away all your energy. At the real Ben Reinberg over on Instagram. If you guys have not been following Ben, got a good sampling of stuff that he talks about here today on the show. So go give him a follow over on Instagram. Check out his podcast, I Own It, right? With Ben Reinberg, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Ben, thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate you for coming out. What a pleasure. Appreciate you having me. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. Then leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.